celebrity Let your weary mind be free And someone kind of famous who you can't see It's time for sleeping with celebrity Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. Here on this audio program, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show, for one bedtime, we don't ask them to bring their A-game, but rather their Z-game. It's a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, you can take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Dave Hill. He's going to talk with me about hockey sweaters. That's right, hockey sweaters. But before all that, I invite you to settle in, get comfortable, while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network, Dr. Game Show. Dr. Game Show is a family-friendly, interactive podcast where listeners submit games and the hosts play them with callers from around the world. It's hosted by Joe Firestone, who you may recognize from Shrill or Joe Parra Talks With You, and also hosted by Manolo Moreno. New episodes every other Wednesday here on Maximum Fun. Come for the games. Stay for the chaos. And now for our guest, Dave Hill. Dave may sound familiar to Maximum Fun listeners on account of the fact that he has hosted more than one podcast on our network, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour and So You're Canadian. That second one was a podcast in which Dave interviewed Canadians. Which makes sense, because Dave is one-quarter Canadian, a fact that could account for his interest in hockey sweaters. Dave is also an author, an actor, a writer, a musician, and he is the pride of Cleveland, Ohio. His comedy special is called Dave Hill, The Pride of Cleveland so it has to be true. And he has a book coming out this fall called The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible, Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey. Dave Hill, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, John. Uh, a couple questions about sleep before we get into our topic at large. What's the best night of sleep you've ever had? The best night... Oh man, I think I sleep best like away from home. I would say like in, I, I'm some reason I think it probably happened in like Norway or something because I think that's a good country to sleep in. Mm. Norway or like Denmark or something. What um, makes the Scandinavian countries so effective for sleeping? Because, you know, it's, it's just like, um, I think the Vikings, you know, you're kind of like, have this hundred years of crazy, hundreds and hundreds of years of crazy history. And then now it's this kind of peaceful, these peaceful, idyllic sort of lands. Mm. And they're beautiful. And um, and then, you know, you spr sprinkle in a little jet lag. Now that I'm thinking about it, though. I would have to say probably the best sleep that I ever get is like when I go to like, I've only been a few times to Asia or been to Australia a couple of times, like, but the jet lag, when you come back, you can, you could sleep under like, under a seat on a city bus or something. I could just completely fall asleep. So I wouldn't say sleeping on a city bus on the floor, but maybe like going to bed when I come home from, that's probably the best. But you you got to have like, 
really nice like duvet and stuff and like mm. proper bedding mm-hmm. which means that you have to have in my experience like a a woman taking care of that mm. um cuz men i think just don't really take bedding seriously for the most part but fortunately my girlfriend she's really good about like like has it dialed in really well so have you, in your experience in Scandinavia, encountered the concept of two duvets for a couple, where each person gets their own duvet, thus uh, getting around the issue of stealing covers? You know, I sort of have, in a way, because the first time I was in Denmark, I bought this duvet cover that had like a reindeer on it or something. It just looked really cool. It had a big black and white reindeer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that would, that seems like would be delightful to sleep with. And then I got it home and that's, it was exactly what you're talking about. It was like a duvet. It was like for one person. Oh. And uh, so I, I have, yeah. And they have, when you sleep, like a lot of hotels there, it's the same thing. They have like a bed with, yeah, two separate duvets. Mm. But then, yeah, I don't know. I would, yeah, I got to go back to Norway because delightful bedding. And then the hotels there all have like usually around the clock waffle makers. So you can just have a waffle like Whenever any time of like day. It. Yeah, or night. That's how you, like, that's, it's so easily done, but so often overlooked in every country other than Norway, in my experience. Maybe maybe Denmark and Sweden, when or I, Finland. When I was in Norway, um, I stayed with my family in Oslo in the Edvard Munch Hotel. And, of course, Edvard oh, Munch, nice. famous for the, uh, the Scream painting. Sure. And I thought it was an interesting choice for a nice, uh, restful stay in a hotel to choose the guy who made the scream as the namesake of the hotel. But we slept yeah. okay. Yeah. I think that, do they have that painting in Oslo? I believe it is in Oslo. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I noticed around Norway, I was, I was in the car with my sister. My sister lives in Norway. And no way. Yeah. How Nor- did she end up living in Norway? You know, she was born in Norway. My um, my parents uh, are Norwegian. My father has passed. My, my mom is still with us. And they immigrated to America after my sister was born. And so she grew up from age three in the United States. But as soon as she graduated college, she went to spend a month in Norway and simply never came back. And and made a life for herself there and and raised a family in Norway. And uh, That's wild. Yeah. I, I mean good for her. That that country's awesome. I love it. I would move there if I could. Here's what's awesome. Here's one of the awesome things about Norway is we were in the car and I said, "Where are all the billboards? Where are all the, the big outdoor advertisements along the highway?" And she said, "Well, we don't have those. And I said, well, why not? She said, because everybody decided that they didn't want them. And that's all it took. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I could talk all day about how awesome that country is. Like, they, the first time I was there, there's this bar in Oslo called Kniven, which is Norwegian for knife. And I was there with this guy, and he, it was, he's like, oh, this is my friend's bar. And uh, the way he ended up opening it is because he was walking home late at night and there were some young kids like spray painting on his street, you know, doing graffiti or whatever. And uh, so he yelled at them to stop and one of them stabbed him. Oh. And, and so the government gave him $20,000. And I was like, why did the government give him $20,000? Because he got stabbed. And he said, because in Norway, the government would 
government would feel like they failed you if you got stabbed in, oh. in, on the street. So as an apology or something, they gave him $20,000. Like, oh, that shouldn't have happened. I'm sorry. So he took the $20,000 and opened a bar called The Knife. And it, it's lovely. It, do, it doesn't have a sense of, of dread and foreboding about it? No, it's my, it's my favorite bar in Oslo. Do you, you're, you're a guitarist. Um, mm-hmm. Are you, do you happen to know the guitarist Chris Walla, formerly of the band Death Cab for Cutie? I don't. I, I know that band. Yeah. Well, but I don't know him. Well, Chris left that band in 2014 and now lives in Norway full time. He lives in Trondheim. Oh, I've been to Trondheim. How did he end up in Norway? Everyone's living in Norway. I think his wife studied at a university in Norway, and then that gave them entry to uh, to establish their their lives in Norway to just stick around. Apparently, you just oh. have to sign up for some sort of program, and then you get to stick around indefinitely. I gotta I gotta get on this program. Yeah. If you could if you could study something in Norway, become a, a a student, a graduate student, a certification student, and live in Norway, what would you study, Dave Hill? Does it have to be like a Norwegian based thing? I don't think so. I think you can dream big. Well, now that I'm thinking of Norway, I would I I would study those I'm not sure if I'm st- the Stav churches or Stav churches. Do you know those? Mm, tell me about them. There are these beautiful churches, and there's they're mostly in Norway and you know in Scandinavia in general. But they're actually some of them up in your neck of the woods because of the Norwegians that right large stuff. Scandinavian population. And um, but there are these beautiful usually like black churches. I don't know if it's like tar or the wood is black. I don't know what the deal is, but they date back, you know, you know, like a thousand years. And famously, you know, in the 90s, some of the guys from the Norwegian black metal community burnt a few of them down. Like the in Bergen, there's the Fantoff Stav Church um Fantov Stav Kirken 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 um and uh and that was burned down by uh what's his face um who's the idiot the idiot from uh Burzum I can't remember can't think of his name right now oh, um oh Varg Virkenes Varg yeah and, Varg and um so but they totally rebuilt it and uh, it's it's beautiful. They you know they kind of just redid it, and uh, I've been up to see it a few times. It's the only one I've ever seen up close, and it's you know a fabrication. So there's other. I'm really so I think I would study those and the history of those and the architecture. But if I had to study something else, I would probably study acupuncture. I've always in Eastern medicine. Like I'm a big fan of acupuncture, even though I haven't done much of it in mm. recent years and i've always thought that that would be what i would want to learn if i uh if i you know completely just went away from the stuff that i do now and you've been you've been studying the game of hockey recently uh you have a, a book coming up the awesome game one man's incredible globe crushing hockey odyssey and this is true I understand that you are something of a collector of hockey jerseys, or I believe hockey sweaters is sometimes the term. Yes, the official term is hockey sweater, but for for the I hate to say this, but as I say in as I say in the book, um, yeah, I usually call them jerseys just to, so as not to confuse the the layman, right, the layperson. But yeah, because the original ones. The coolest ones were actually sweaters. I have one. There's this company Ebbets Field that does like 
jerseys of defunct sports teams, and they do a lot of hockey jerseys. Mm. And they're they're actually hockey sweaters. So, but I got my girlfriend got me one for Christmas, and the moths got to it pretty quickly. Oh. Which I think kind of made it cooler in a way because I just got it sewn up, and now it looks like, you know, I've taken a few body checks to the yeah yeah. But um, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of hockey jerseys. It's a complex area because I also I'm a huge fan of hockey jerseys, but I also feel like hockey jerseys, when worn off the ice, are the lowest form of human dress. So it's a bittersweet thing for me. Why do you think that? I think that, you know, they're kind of just like, uh, it's like wearing a muumuu or something. You're just throwing, I mean, they're awesome in one way, but I I guess I wouldn't wear one to like socialize, Mm. but I wear them around my apartment. I wear them you know, to the dog park and I wear them exercising. But I wore one accidentally a few years ago. I was meeting some friends. We were just going to get coffee and it was a Saturday in New York in my neighborhood and it was like everywhere was just rammed with people. So I went to this restaurant around the corner from my house and I was, you know, I said, you know, we just want to sit and have coffee. Would that be okay if we took up a table? And they're like, yeah, no problem. And so the waiter came over and I was wearing a jacket and underneath I had a hockey jersey on. Like and a I sports thought, jacket, like a suit jacket? No, like a, like a pea coat or something. So okay. you couldn't really tell that I was wearing a hockey jersey. Right. But then it got so warm that I took the jacket off and I was sitting in this nice restaurant in a hockey jersey mm. and the waiter never came back and i don't know if that's like a coincidence or it, it just proves my point that just one should never unless you're like in a sports bar or at a game or something yeah maybe you shouldn't wear it or like but i don't know there's some people on the you know like kevin smith always used to wear them and i think he's an example of uh it's not doesn't look good, but then on the other end of it, Snoop Dogg wears them a lot and always looks amazing. But he he could wear a garbage bag and look cool. Yeah, yeah, I think. Which was uh, well? Do we know why some people call them jerseys and some people call them sweaters? Sleepyheads. I wish to tell you about another podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It is called Wonderful. Wonderful is an enthusiast podcast hosted by Rachel and Griffin McElroy. Rachel and Griffin McElroy are married, and on the show they talk about things they like, things that are good. In short, it's a podcast about things that are, well, wonderful. If you want feel-good vibes, Rachel and Griffin have you covered. In a somewhat recent episode, they talked about music made for kids that adults could tolerate. I wish this program, or others like it, had existed when my kids were younger, or when I was younger. I wish podcasts were more of a thing back then. If I could travel back in time, well, no, that would be impossible. If you are a parent to young kids now, go ahead and check out the wonderful episode entitled We Should Freeze Tennis Balls. Apparently, Danny Go, with an exclamation point, and Cuckoo Kangaroo are both grown-up friendly bands that play music for kids. So go ahead and give Wonderful a try, if you're not already a subscriber. It's available on Maximum Fun, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, do we know why some people call them jerseys and some people call them sweaters and why sweater is the proper one? I mean, do you favor that because you're Canadian? Um, well, I'm quarter Canadian, which is enough, I guess. But yeah. if one can be quarter Canadian, that's what I am. But 
Um, even though the Canadian government told me, no, it doesn't count. Sorry, You're not Canadian. That's when, when I tried to see if I could get citizenship. They were like, no. You're not Canadian enough. Yeah, my grandfather was from there and, and another relative, another great grandfather, not his father. But, oh, um, okay. but uh, they said, yeah, that's not enough, pal. And, um, but yeah, they're called sweaters just because they were originally literally sweaters, you know, mm. and then somewhere along the line, maybe like in the 60s or 70s, they started making them more out of like closer, you know, what we see today, which is, yeah, you know, jersey material. sportier material. Right. So I think that's, I don't know if it's quite that simple, but in, in Canada, they call them sweaters. And I think the further south you go, Jersey is the like all like like all things. The further south you go, it all falls apart. It all turns into something oh. else. Well, I was, don't know why I just took shots at the south. Yeah. I like the south. Well, yeah, but no. why not? Yeah, why not take a swipe at someone for no reason? <laughs> That's right. Just as you drift Precise. off to sleep, let's let's just single out a large group and take a shot at them just before. Yeah. Dream time. I I know. I well, I should say I do. I do love many places. I love in the south. What was your first hockey jersey slash sweater that you owned? Oh, I mean, I'd have to say probably the teams that I played for as a kid. Oh, you. So were I don't a, know if that counts. Tell me about that. Tell me when you started with your own youth hockey career. I started at the time I thought I was starting on, I started skating probably when I was like three because hmm. all my siblings having a Canadian grandfather, like we had, we had no choice but to be thrown on the ice. Yeah. Like at, at around the age of three. And he even said, I remember this so well, my oldest sister Miriam was complaining like she didn't want to go ice skating because we would go during the, you know, skating season. We would go like every once a week at least. And one day she was like, I don't, I don't want to go skating. I don't like skating. And my grandfather said, what good are you if you can't skate? Like, and it was such a damning thing to say. And I was wow. like, he's right. Like it was like, he basically he said it as if like you were not a person of any value if you couldn't ice skate. And yeah. so that's like I was really raised like with a lot of these ideas in my head. <laughs> wow. Um I was also raised I was also raised to think that you know how you know in America we're we're raised and taught um you know the source of many of our problems I think is that we're taught to believe that America is the greatest country on earth. Mm. And, but I grew up thinking Canada was the greatest country on earth. Cause that's what my grandfather told us all, all the time. So I, I just always, whenever, you know, in school, they'd be like, we're the best country. I'd be like, no, Canada. It's Canada. But your grandfather yeah. lived in the United States. Yeah, he lived. He moved to like Detroit in his twenties, and then, and then to Cleveland sometime after that, and lived the rest of his life there. Why did he move to the United States? He he was well. He, he's he, I think for work, but he moved. He was from Ontario, this little town called Clinton, Ontario, which is not far from. Uh, the mighty shores of Lake Huron. And he, when he was 15 years old, he moved to Winnipeg to work in a shirt factory, mm. which sounds like the, insane. And, <laughs> and he got into clothes and he became like a haberdasher. And, oh. he, and he sold, sold clothes his whole life. Okay. Wow. Well. So, uh, how old were you when you when you joined your first hockey team and oh, acquired yeah. your first hockey jersey or sweater? I was eleven, which is 
I remember thinking I was so old, mm. like because all the pros, you know, I would read like Wayne Gretzky started playing when he was like two and a half or something, and I was just like, you know, I had been playing like street hockey and things, and I don't know why I waited so long to play in a league, but I I remember like thinking like, oh man, how am I ever gonna make the NHL? Yeah. How am I ever going to catch up? And as as we well know, that did, didn't work out. I didn't make the NHL. No, you're not in. The, you've never been in the NHL. No, I made it to played like a a season and a half in college, and then that was it. The end of the line. Oh, what college was this? I went to Fordham University in the Bronx. In the Bronx. Um, yeah. When you when your hockey career ended and you didn't make the NHL, did your grandfather yeah. still love you? I hope so. He, um, he died when I was 12. Oh, okay. And, and he was kind of, I think part of my interest in hockey was to sort of ingratiate myself with him. Mm. Or maybe it's why I gravitated towards towards it, and because uh, I don't, I'm really not into sports at all, yeah. At, except for hockey, like that's kind of the basis of my book is that I really don't care about any other sports, other than things to do while drinking, you know. Mm. But but I I love hockey, and so by the time I started playing, he was already like pretty you know, his health had declined to where uh, he wasn't as uh, engaged in my hockey career as I would have hoped. Hmm. Did you bond over hockey? Did you, was that the a common language that you had with him? Yeah. He took me to my first game, the first, the first pro game I ever went to. I saw the Cleveland Barons when I was, you know, maybe like six years old. Mm -hmm. And um, we sat right behind the, behind the penalty box and it was just like mesmerizing in Technicolor, you know? And, and I remember, not to keep referring to my book, but I'll stop. It's um, okay. But the, I remember this player, Len Frigg, was in the penalty box and he was, he was the Barons like had the most penalty minutes on the team the one year he played for the Barons. And so he was in the penalty box a few times. I rem his name was just burned on my brain. And so my whole life, I, he was just in my head as like the quintessential pro hockey player. And he was just kind of like a journeyman player in and out of NHL and minor league teams his whole career. And about a year ago or so, I tracked him down and I he lives in Salt Lake City and happened to be in New York and I went and I had had uh drinks with him mm. and talked about I and I found him, I tracked him down just by like the internet and I got his phone number through a questionable website uh -huh. and and called him and uh and uh, yeah, so it kind of came full circle. Mm. So I, I'd like to think that my grandfather would think that was cool or maybe just weird. Yeah, yeah, but hockey-related and therefore therefore Hockey-related. Yeah. Of yes, yes. Now, did you save your hockey sweaters from your youth hockey days or your subsequent college hockey days? Are those still part of your collection? I have... Yeah, I think I have most of them mm. somewhere. I think I do. Um, the only ones I don't have, the only ones I actively got rid of were I played in a men's league in New York about 15 or more years ago. And the... Ring, the um, the rinks at the time were all owned by uh, a businessman by the name of Donald Trump. 
Oh. So all the rinks said Trump on them. And so the jerseys we had said Trump. And I was cleaning out my hockey bag sometime in the last couple of years. And I went to the bottom and I found two jerseys that said Trump on them. And I was just kind of horrified <laughs> at the thought of it. And I, th I threw those out. Okay. How big is your hockey jersey collection? I think by collector standard, standards, it's very sad and small. By my girlfriend's standards, it's horrifyingly large. <laughs> I would say it's probably in the maybe 50. 50. Jerseys. Wow. And yeah. are, are they mostly NHL teams? Are they from, the, from other leagues? The thing is, I think NHL jerseys are the worst jerseys mm. in existence generally speaking with it with the exception of the original six jerseys i think are always cool mm. of course you know new york detroit chicago montreal toronto and what did i forget boston boston bruins um those jerseys are classic and are awesome and uh but in general i think NHL jerseys, I, I guess because they are trying to appeal to the masses, they're always like really safe and not nearly as violent as I think they should be. Mm. Like the Vegas Golden Knights, it looks like a, it's it's just like a knight's helmet. It looks like something for like a a car alarm system or something, a logo for like to, in, instead of like, you know, I would love to see like a knife on horseback with like a flail or something. Right. You know, right. Something uh, serious. A, a hockey player who has been stabbed and then opens a bar to commemorate that stabbing in Oslo somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. So I tend, I tend to gravitate towards like minor league in European jerseys because I think they're cooler. Do you keep them in handsome display cases or all stacked up or shoved into a box or a bag somewhere? They're, uh, once in a while I'll fold them and have delusions of an organized closet. And then the problem is you fold them and then you go grab one and you're like, oh, I don't want to wear the, Barry Colts jersey today. I want to wear the Sudbury Wolves jersey today. And then that one's in the third pile behind the, you know, and then you ruin. Anyway, they're so right now they're shoved in to a closet, mm. like on a shelf, and they're, it's an absolute mess. If, if someone came over to see your collection of hockey jerseys, let's say Len Frigg came over to see your collection of hockey jerseys. Oh my gosh. I know it would be a big deal. What's the first one yeah. that you would show them? Probably, probably Sudbury Wolves or this Finnish jersey I got last fall in in Finland. There's this my two favorite jerseys: the Sudbury Wolves and the Tempera Ilves mm. City Tempera as the Finnish people say. Tempera. And uh, it's like tempera, it means like tempera links. Oh. And that jersey, both these jerseys have something in common in that the logos look like a child drew them. Uh-huh. And which I l really like because they like, they look insane. Like the the Sudbury Wolves looked like it was drawn by like a kid in the back of history class, mm. you know, it's like an irritable wolf and it's got blood on its teeth. Oh. And, the, and then there's even like flecks of blood like flying across the jersey that are sewn on like in a separate patch, which is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. and, and then the tempera one is, also looks like it was drawn by like a, maybe like a 12 year old with, with considerable ability, but like a 12-year-old in the Middle Ages because it looks like kind of old-timey a little bit. Is there 
is there a depiction of something? Is there an animal of some sort on that? Yeah, that that is the lynx also. Oh, the lynx. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so the, those are really I the 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 tempera one. I mean, I I I had want, been wanting to go to Finland anyway, but a deciding factor of going was that I tried to order the jersey online and it was like $70 shipping. So I was like, screw that. I'm just going to go to Finland. I'm not paying $70. So doesn't it cost a lot more than $70 to go to Finland though? It does, but I, I decided to just, I wanted to go there and go see some hockey games. So, and then, so I booked a couple shows over there and I bought some hockey tickets and went with a buddy and, uh, and I bought the Jersey while I was there. So I did save on the shipping Mm. while also spending a couple thousand dollars probably. Right. But you, you got to go, you got to be in Finland and they can't ship. I was in Finland. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had a great time. Highly recommend. Highly recommend Finland. What, how would you rank the Scandin, the five Scandinavian countries overall? If you had to pick, what would well, the ranking be? I mean, according to, not to nitpick, but I think Finland is technically not considered part of Sc- Scandinavia, oh. at, least, at least according to the other four countries. But... I think some people consider it, but I would go, and I'm embarrassed to say I've I've been to the Reykjavik airport hmm. at least three, four times, but I've never set foot out, as far as Iceland goes, I've never set foot outside of the airport. So I can't really speak too much about Iceland beyond the airport. Um, but I would say Norway, number one, and probably because I've been there the most, I've been to Norway about six times Mm. and I've been to, you know, six, seven, eight cities there probably. Mm -hmm. And so I have the most experience with it. And then I would say Denmark. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then I don't know. They're all great. I mean, they're all delightful. And they all kind of have the same, you know, a lot of the same awesome stuff going on. Are we talking about a three way tie for third place then? I think we might be. Okay. I think we might be. If you if you spend some time with um the comedian Paul F. Tompkins and his wife, Janie Haddad Tompkins, they can show you hours and hours and hours worth of their slides from their trip to um, Iceland. They can go into great detail just with pictures from the ride from the airport after having picked up the rental car. Oh, I would love that. I I love them. They're two absolutely delightful people. Mm. Well-dressed people, too, which is, you know, can, cannot be understated. Um, and I would, I would, next time I see them, I'm going to ask them. At the very least, I would hope they would have some pictures on their phone. Oh, they would. They would. If you look at the archives of our show and you have a hard time falling asleep, we have an episode where Paul and Janie uh, talk us through uh just pure sound descriptions of the photographs from their trip. And, um, and you could spend an hour just listening to them talk about the the photos from their first, I'd say day and a quarter of their trip to Iceland. Oh, wow. I'm in, I'm going to go back and listen to this episode. If, if you were to be going to a place where you had to dress up and you had, to wear a hockey jersey, which one would you choose and how would you accessorize to make the best impression? Oh, that's easy. Okay. I would wear my Quebec 
Nordique's jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Peter Stastny. I never know how to pronounce that really, but Stastny jersey that I got on sale, like deep discount at Paragon Sports in New York. I couldn't believe it. I bought that and the Gordie Howe Hartford Whalers jersey. They were both like 25 bucks each or something. Wow. And and they're good jerseys, like, you know, sew on patches and things. Mm. And because uh, you never want to go sublimated logo if you, if you don't have to. Yeah. But um, I would wear that jersey. I've done this. I, I know the answer because I've done it a couple times. Okay. I'd wear that jersey with, uh, I got this scarf in Paris that happens to be the same colors as the Quebec Nordiques. So mm. you, you fold that, you know, you flip that and tuck that into the jersey mm-hmm. and you're pretty much off to the races. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're like, uh, it's dashing, get carefree. This is really where you want to land with any outfit. Right, right. You, you're showing that you're aware that it is a hockey jersey but that you can elevate it to to something that can that can go in almost any situation. Yeah, I mean, I think like, I mean, a quick fix for any hockey jersey, though it's an advanced move for most people, I guess, would be to just throw on a cravat mm. and tuck it in. But for me, that's business as usual. So you favor the cravat already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like. Warm up the neck whenever you can. Yeah. Makes for a better day, you know? Also, it's kind of like, I consider, it's kind of like social ankle weights because in America, at least, when you wear like a a cravat or ascot or even just a scarf, mm. and you, people will, you kind of, you know, look like an asshole or like Mr. Howell or something from Gilligan's Island. So people... It's kind of like social ankle weight because people assume you're going to be a jerk. So you have to, I mean, you should always be kind, but you have to make an extra effort to be kind because you're already working at a disadvantage because people are thinking you're some sort of, if they think you're Mr. Howell, basically. Now, Dave, you play in, in rock and roll combos. You, uh, you, sure. you play the rock and roll music. I've, um, I've found that it is, I, I was about to go play a, a concert with my own rock and roll combo the other night. And it was a very hot, oh, nice. it was a very hot night. And I told my wife, I need to find some long pants. I can't wear shorts to a gig. And she said, oh. she said, why is that? I said, well, think about it. If you went to see a rock band play and they were in shorts, that that would not be okay. And she said, yes, you're right. I wonder, are hockey jerseys okay to wear when playing a rock and roll concert? I think only if you're the bass player for Triumph, maybe. But, and that's a, you know, very, uh, if you're not a middle-aged person, that joke really isn't going to land. But I feel like by your reaction, I've hit my proper audience for that when i woke up this but, morning i didn't think a triumph reference was going to be dropped on my day but you know that's oh stick with stick with me that's why you get out and enjoy the day because you have to be open to things that may happen yeah for sure but i can't i mean i can't i fully agree like shorts and rock and roll i mean it's sometimes you know if you're a drummer, saw, maybe. If you're a drummer, because you're getting all sweaty. Yeah, I'll allow it if you're a drummer, but like, I mean, I'll take it one further. I'm not saying everyone should live like this. Mm. I don't. I don't think so. But personally, for the way, I don't even own shorts. Mm. I won't wear them, um, just as a matter of principle. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll, if I go to the beach and I'm going in the water, I'll wear, you know, like some sort of swim attire. But mm. 
I just think, you know, we're living in this world where people just take liberties and wear shorts at the wrong time on airplanes. Yeah. Basically, I mean, I don't know when the right, unless you're cutting your lawn yeah, or in your backyard or at the beach, cover up, cover up. And I, I don't know. And obviously. That's a, just me though. Obviously a hockey jersey with shorts is right out. I mean, I don't know. I mean, these are all, these are complex rules. Like I don't want anyone to think that anyone else can wear shorts, but except you're right. I saw Mammoth WVH, which is Eddie Van Halen's Wolf, son's Wolfgang band. Wolfgang Van Halen's band, yes. I saw them, Pantera and Metallica Friday night at the MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Mm. And, and Wolfgang Van Halen was wearing shorts and I was just like, what are you doing? You're opening for Metallica and you're wearing like borderline Daisy Dukes on stage. And I was just, I was just like, come on, just get a pair of pants. And then Pantera played and the singer Phil Anselmo, he always wears, short, wears shorts on stage. So I kind of, I was like, well, for him, it works. It's kind of his thing. Right. And then, but then when Metallica went on, I was like, if any one of those guys wore shorts, I would have been horrified. So, but gen- in general, I think, yeah, shorts on stage, never. Shorts and hockey jerseys, again, I think like, if you're going somewhere in a hockey jersey, the damage is mostly done anyway. So you might as well put on shorts, sweatpants, just do. I mean, I say this as a guy. I just went to Kohl's wearing track pants. So I'm violating my own rules yeah. left and right. Like, I also think you should never wear exercise clothes unless you're actively in the middle of exercising. Mm. But I, I just went and bought a suitcase of Kohl's wearing track pants. So you t- take everything I say with a grain of salt. More guidelines than rules, perhaps. Yeah. Is, and it, finally, is there a national anthem that's especially well-suited to being played on guitar among the, among the hockey-playing nations? Is, is there one that works best on guitar? You know, I was just thinking about this because the problem with most national anthems is they don't have a chorus. Mm. Like they're really like, I mean, the the national anthem in America is a horrible song. I mean, it's poor, and I it's sort of like church music. I think it's the lack of competition is why so many bad songs are able to rise to the top. Is like Francis Scott Key was just like, you know what, I could probably bang out the national anthem. No one else is doing it. Why don't I just do it? And he writes this horrible song that no one can sing. It has no hook. It's about a rocket fight. Yeah, it's about a, which, you know, a good start, sure. Yeah. But keep it going. Let's have some monsters. I think like I think the Canadian national anthem is is at least melodically better mm. and probably as a result cooler on guitar. And then uh I really like when I was a kid I could sing the Canadian national anthem not not because of my questionable bloodline connection to Canada but just because I watch so much hockey mm. and if there's a Canadian team playing or or the game is in well if the game is in Canada there would be a Canadian team playing that would make sense but I think yeah that just stands to reason okay. but I think um you give me the Canadian national anthem in French mm. forget it yeah then I'm in then it's all in I used to be able to sing it in, in English and French, but it's kind of, I just know, oh, Canada, our home and native land. And then at the end they go, oh, Canada, we stand on guard 
for thee. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. It is kind of like a church hymn, really. But yeah, no, it's a banger. But I, yeah, it's a banger. Yeah. But I don't know why a country doesn't just have like a, a super catchy song with a chorus and just big. I, you know who I bet? I hate to even say it. Hmm. I, I I bet North Korea has done it. They probably, I bet their anthem is like a hit single. Yeah, real hooky. I don't want to say nice. I don't want to say nice things about that country. No. Well, I should actually, because I'm sure the people are fine. So just they're living under horrible government. Yeah. But that said, I bet that anthem's pretty catchy. I'm going to go listen later today. All right. Well, Dave Hill, thanks for filling us in on your sweater slash jersey collection, as well as your feelings about Scandinavia and uh, rock and roll apparel. And Dave, good night. Thanks for having me. Good night. I had a nice time. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning all about hockey sweaters and jerseys and Norway and rock band apparel as much as I did. You know, something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned. So if you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Dave Hill right now while it's fresh in my mind. One, book a trip to Norway if you want to be able to make waffles 24-7. Two, if you're going to get stabbed while traveling, Norway's an optimal place, at least if it's not fatal. Three, Francis Scott Key once said, before he wrote the Star-Spangled Banner, you know, I could probably bang out a national anthem. Four, One of the best ways to disappoint a Canadian grandfather is to say, I don't want to ice skate. Five, if you want to dress to impress, the Quebec Nordiques jersey is the way to go. But whatever jersey you select, stay away from the ones with sublimated logos. (sighs) Okay, well, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Dave Hill. You can follow Sleeping With Celebrities on Twitter and TikTok with the handle at sleepwithcelebs. On Instagram, the handle is at sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Our music is provided by the Winterbowers. Our production intern is Clara Flesher. This show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. And this is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Night Night. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.